Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing this morning. And we just pray, Lord, for revelation. We pray for divine revelation to just fill our hearts, to float our boats. <laughs> uh, to get that in there with Jesus. And, and Lord, we thank you that the, for rising tides, not for global warming, but for rising tides. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, those two things go together, you know, that rising tides. The polar bears are not, you know, I don't know what's going on with them, but they're struggling. Um, maybe we should have prayed for the polar bears this morning. Um, this, I, uh, I felt like the Lord gave me a theme this morning, um, walking out of pain. And so I want to talk this morning about walking out of pain. And I understand Steve spoke Friday night on a very similar subject. And, um, you know, how many of you know that you can't always help what happens to you. I said you can't always help what happens to you. But you can always help what happens in you. Can't always help what happens to you, but you can always help what happens in you. You have total control over the kingdom within you. You're like, that doesn't feel true. I understand, I've been there too, but the truth is, is that you have total control over what happens in you. In fact, um, how many of you understand that one of the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5, is self-control? So you get to control what happens to, to you. And Jesus put it this way. He said, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, give them your left cheek also. And how many of you know that Jesus isn't saying, just let someone beat you up? He's just saying, don't let their action be your reaction. Don't let, don't let people be able to control you from, from the outside be control, Holy Spirit control from the inside out. And so, um, I, but this morning I want to talk about pain. I, I have a PhD in pain, and so I'm qualified to preach this message. You know, when you, uh, when you write a book, you, the publisher sends you this form that you fill out. You know, it's kind of like when you uh, go to a foreign country and you have to fill out this form. And the first, well, the second or third question on the form is, what qualifies you to write this book? And so when, uh, when I wrote the book Spirit Wars, they said, what qualifies you to write this book? And I thought, wouldn't it be nice if I could say, well, I got an education, I have a degree, and <laughs> but, but instead I'm like, well, I was demonized, and then I got free, and therefore I am qualified to write this book. And then... And Jason and I wrote a book together. He did most of the book, actually, called um, The Supernatural Power of Forgiveness. And it's, it's also, but actually, we wanted to call the book Walking Out of Pain, but the publisher decided that using the word supernatural would sell the book better. I think Walking Out of Pain, we both agree, would have probably sold the book better. But, but the, um, this morning, I want to talk about pain. A bunch of you are like, oh, let's do something encouraging. I, it's going to end well, okay? So just... <laughs> just, just, uh, just bear with me. I want, to, I want to tell you four things about pain. Now, it doesn't mean there's only just four things to know about pain. It just means these are the ones that came to me last night when I was thinking about this. The first one is pain is rarely the problem. It's almost always a symptom. How many of you have already figured that out? You're old enough to figure out that pain is rarely the problem. Number two, pain will lead you to the source of your problem. Now, here's a, a challenge, and, and what, we're going to talk about this a little bit more as we get deeper into the message. But, 
for a lot of us, and I would say for all of us, let's, let's just say, let's just include all of us. No one likes pain, right? And so for, I think, all of us, oftentimes, in certain situations at least, the goal is to get rid of the pain instead of solve the problem. And, um, and sometimes, well, I, I don't want to give it all away. Number three is, the level, a level of your pain does not determine the depth of your problem. Have you ever had a sliver in your finger or in your eye? You know, I worked as, uh, in the automotive field for a long time, and you get a metal sliver. I've had a metal sliver in my eye. I've had metal slivers in my fingers, and they hurt like, like words you can't use from the podium. <laughs> At least I try not to do that anymore. I, you know, if you get one on your foot, have you ever got a metal sliver in your foot? I mean, it just feels like, it feels like you ought to have your foot amputated. And then they pull it out and the doctor shows you, you know. I've had to go to the doctor and have them dug out and they're like, I'm like, seriously? <laughs> I feel embarrassed that I just paid $50 to have that dug out, you know. And have you ever had anyone try to take out a sliver that you have? I, are, you guys, are you guys with me? Maybe, maybe you guys live a sheltered life and you've never had slivers. <laughs> Kathy has dug many slivers out of me, and she's like, she's like trying to dig this sliver out of my finger, and I'm like, ah, call the children, I'm going to die. <laughs> when it has anything to do with sickness, I'm, I'm like, I am the biggest baby in the world. Like, if I get the flu, I call the whole family, I'm like, come soon, your father could die at any moment. So the level of your pain doesn't always determine the level of your problem. As a matter of fact, you could have no pain at all or have very little pain and have something seriously wrong with you. And you could have severe pain and have, not, have it not be a big deal. And, um, and uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Number four, and here we go. You, you got your seatbelt on? We should put seatbelts like, on sometime. Ignoring pain or being afraid of pain often leads to deeper problems. How many of you figured that out? And my little sliver example, you know, not having that thing dug out the first day usually means, especially if you have like a steel sliver or a redwood sliver, it means your whole hand's going to hurt the second or third day because you're like, oh, don't touch me, don't touch me, don't touch me. And then the next day your whole hand's like, you're like, touch me, <clears throat> touch me. And so um, I want to talk to you about uh, pain. You know, Here's part of the challenge. In, in America, and I'm finding in many countries, uh, especially in European countries, first world countries, we are afraid of pain. Like, we don't do pain. In fact, in America, you could probably spend your whole life and never ever see a dead person. Like, people are dying every day, you know, that's why they disappear, like... <laughs> I was going to go to my um, 40th... Uh, class reunion. In fact, we missed it, but I was going to it, and there was a list of people who were going to be there, and it was like 38. And, and it's like, I graduated with a class of 800. I don't know if they got raptured, but I have a feeling that there's less of us on the planet than there used to be. You could spend your whole life in America and very likely not see, ever see a dead person. Like, it's like some, you, you know what I'm trying to say? It's like we don't do death, we don't do pain, and we, 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 we don't want to talk about it. Um, Kathy and I we did our 
wrote our will, uh, I don't know, three or four or five months ago. Um, went to an attorney and, and wrote out a, actually a living trust. And they're asking us questions that we know we should have asked ourselves before we walked in there. But it's just things you don't want to actually talk about. Like, who do you want to leave a, your stuff to? And we're like, <laughs> Jason's in the front row saying me. I probably told you this story because it happened like a year and a half ago, but we were out at the pool and, uh, and Riley, Jason's uh, middle daughter, comes out there and she's, she's looking around the pool, just kind of, you know, staring. And she looks up at me and she says, Papa? So she says, my dad says when you die, he's going to get all of this. <laughs> What she said, I'm telling you the truth. I said, well, you tell your father, I said, look in my eyes. You tell your father, I'm going to live so long, he's not going to be able to enjoy this pool. He's going to be too old to swim. <laughs> so I want to talk um, about five keys to walking out of pain. And first of all, let me just say that this, was, this would be like walking out of pain 101. Like, nobody's going to be able to give do a great job of how do I get out of pain in I got 26.48 seconds to tell you how to get out of pain how many of you know you're not going to get a complete message on how to walk out of pain but my goal today is to inspire you to not stay there that's my goal I give you a couple of tools and inspire you to not stay there and give you some hope that you don't need to live like this now I'm also aware that there are different kinds of pain so I'm giving you, you know, I'm talking about something that has such a broad scope. There's, there's financial pain. There's physical pain. You're like, you know what, you're talking about pain. I'm, I'm in pain every day. I have this problem in my back or whatever. And, you know, and, I, and the doctor says, I'm going to live with it the rest of my life. And, and for you, of course, we pray for a miracle. And, and there's emotional pain and there's mental pain and so on and so forth. There's relational pain. And so, you know, I'm giving you, you know, I understand that when you're talking to you know, a thousand people at a time and you're saying this is the way we walk out of pain you're like that doesn't really apply to where I'm at and I get that but you know what it still gives you tools and hope to first of all look for a miracle and secondly you have people around you that it does that it will help right so number one here James chapter 1 verse 2 is one of my non-favorite verses <clears throat> considered all joy my brethren when you encounter various trials. How many of you just, you just do not like that verse? <laughs> Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your what? Faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be found complete, lacking in nothing. Here's number one. Key, key to walking out of pain number one. And this is probably works for everybody in every circumstance. Trust God. Trials do not, let's say, let me put it this way because there is another verse about trials in the Bible besides this one. According to James, trials first test your faith before they ever test your character. In other words, the question when you're in pain is who do you trust? Now, as you'll see as we get deeper into this, into the, into this message, I'm not talking about don't trust your doctor, don't, go see, don't get, get help. I'm saying before I trust my doctor, before I trust a counselor, before I trust my financial planner, before I trust anybody else, the first thing I have to do is decide who is in charge of my life. Are you with me? Doctors, 
uh, you know, counselors, all those kind of people, most often they're there to tell me the facts. How many of you understand the truth overrides the facts? But I do need to know the facts. So point number one, consider a joy when you encounter various trials because God has these trials worked out so that you'll learn, so that I'll learn to trust Him. You know, how many of you know Psalms 23? I learned Psalms 23 in the King James Version. And it goes like this, Yay, though I walk through the valley. I'm like, who the heck said yay? Have you ever, how many of you memorized that in the King James Version? <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down, oh, make me lie down by green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Yay! Yay, though I walk through the valley. Man, I'll tell you, when I go through a valley of shadow, I don't say yay. <laughs> I say help. But good thing about walking through the valley of the shadow, in order for there to be a shadow, there has to be light. That's a good word right there. I thought of it too, right on the spot. Psalms 9, 9. The Lord also will be a stronghold for the oppressed and a stronghold in times of trouble. Psalms 50, verse 15. Calm on me in the day of trouble, and I shall rescue you, and, and you will honor me. This, the last one, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And by the way, there are literally, there's probably 50 Psalms about David talking about being in trouble and God rescuing him. I just took a couple. The point is this. You know what? It's a, bad, it's a bad plan to hide in alcohol. It's a bad plan to hide in drugs or pornography or to hide, in, uh, hide behind some, you know, it, in, fact, in fact, in the book of Nehemiah, the, Sam Bell and Tobiah want him to hide in the, in the temple. How many know it's a really bad plan to hide behind religion? But it's a really good plan to hide in God. Have you ever hid in God? I, I've been in so much pain in my life the only place I can find refuge and any sort of peace is literally hiding in God. And David, how many of you know David had lots of troubles in his life? And by the way, the more responsibility you have, somebody asks, you know, people ask all the time, how's it going? I don't know, how is it going? It depends on what you look at. You know, you have, and you have a wife, four kids, eight grandkids, 7,000 people in your church, you know, 2,000 people in your school and thousands of people that, that look to you for leadership, I don't know how it's going. <laughs> there isn't a single day that I don't get 20 Facebooks or emails that say, my husband's dying. My, how many of you know this is a house of hope, which means people come here for hope, which means they're hopeless? Okay. That's a good word, actually. <laughs> I have, th this, is, this is really a great one right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to men, that, not women, women don't have temptations. I just noticed that. It's mankind, I know, I'm just joking. <laughs> no temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to all mankind, that God is faithful, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will provide a way of escape. Now listen to this. this. This is almost humorous. Except for it's not when you're in the middle of it. I'm going to provide a way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. 
I thought when you got to escape, you went around it. Two things I want to point out in that verse. If you're anything like me, one of the, one of the things that happens when you're in pain is you feel alone. Here Paul writes, there's no temptation that you'll ever encounter that isn't common to everyone. Now, you may have a different manifestation of it. Like, in other words, you may be afraid of something different than I'm afraid of. But the fact that you are afraid of something that's irrational is actually common to everybody. Like, you can talk yourself... Have you ever tried to talk yourself out of something that you didn't talk yourself into? Am I... I, What is happening here? Have you ever had an irrational thought? Let me start there. Maybe this will help. Have you ever been, have you ever had an irrational fear? Irrational. Irrational means it's not rational. That's why it's called ir. <laughs> irrational. It's irrational because it doesn't make sense. Like there's no reason for you to believe that, but you feel like it's true. Have you ever tried to talk yourself out of something that is not logical how many of you understand if it's not logical you're not going to be able to talk yourself out of it because you didn't talk yourself into it in other words it's deeper than the mind it's down here in the spirit that's a good word right there okay number two 18 minutes to do five more number two um, discover the source of your pain okay so when you're in pain, this is, the, this is usually what we don't want to do. We're like, okay, let's pretend this isn't happening. Okay, let's take more aspirin. Let's, uh, let's, can we get some pain meds? Can we, can we numb the pain? Can we not balance our checkbook? Can we, can we not invite that person over who, who does that to me? And we try to figure out ways to stay out of the pain. And I'm saying, listen, if you want to, get, if you want to walk out of pain, you better embrace it. You better figure out, okay, like, you know, the doctor goes, touches you, and you're like, ow! And you're like, I'm not letting him touch me anymore. Listen, this is the way we figure out where the pain's coming from. Are you with me? You, if, you're, if you're numbing the pain, make sure you know you're numbing it, and at some point you're going to have to deal with it. At Nehemiah, in chapter 2, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it, but Nehemiah was sent to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And I love chapter 2, verse 11. And in fact, I, I taught it here about two months ago. And it said the first thing that Nehemiah did, no, the first thing he did was pray. The second thing Nehemiah did was survey the walls and make a list of what was wrong and take it to the leaders, the officials of the city, and say, see, see the trouble we're in? And he gave them a list of everything he saw that was wrong as he surveyed the walls and he, did, and, and he began to develop a plan to fix it. Are you with me? Listen, I know that what I'm saying right now is painful. But what you need to do to walk out of pain is to make a list of what's causing the pain. Like discover where your pain is. Um, Psalms, Jason um, actually gave me this from um, some counseling he's been doing. David said this in Psalms 42.5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you come disturbed within me? In 40, uh, 43 verse 5, he asked the same question of his soul. And Jason uh, has been getting a lot of people free. And, and I, as we were talking one day, he said, Dad, you know, I found the secret. I said, what is it? He said, 
I have people talk to their soul. And, and I said, where did you find a scripture for that? He said, well, David did that. And I'm like, oh, David talked to his soul and said, why are you in despair? Sometimes if you just stop, how many of you know you your body, soul, and spirit? I go to the doctor, the doctor helps my body, right? He, we have all kinds of tests, take an MRI, take these blood tests, do all this stuff. What do we do when our soul's in pain? What do we do when our soul's in pain? Well, one of the things we have to do, what do you do when you go to the doctor? Listen, when you walk into the doctor, does he order 5,000 different tests? No, what's the first thing the doctor does? He asks you questions. Where does it hurt? What's the problem? Why are you in here? Listen, how many of you know there's probably thousands of tests that any doctor can give you? He narrows the test by interacting with you. Where does it hurt? I have a problem with my right arm. When does it hurt? I can't lift it this high. When did it happen? It happened right after this accident. Okay, now we're going to narrow the test down to whatever. These two, these one test. Then we're going to get an x-ray. We're going to get an MRI. Why is he doing that? Because of the information he got from me verbalizing where it hurts. I'd like to suggest to you that sometimes we can just get alone with our soul and say to our soul, listen, soul... I know that when we get in these circumstances that I feel pain. So I can stop and ask my soul, why are you in distress? Why are you in pain? And Jason was telling me some of the most amazing stories where he's sitting with somebody, counseling them, and they're, they're like, I just, you know, they've got, they're in huge amount of pain, but they don't know why. And, and Jason, you know, sometimes they know what, but they're in a huge amount of pain. They don't know why. And Jason says, let's just pray. And as he prays with them, he says, okay, I want you to ask your soul why your soul's in pain. And he has to just teach them the principle. And they say, okay. So they sit there. And I said, what happens? He said, they ask their soul and their soul begins to tell them, this is why I'm in pain. I'm like, isn't that, isn't that a great tool that you can stop and ask your soul David strengthened himself in the Lord. How many times have you, have, how many of you talk to yourself? I do. I'm, sometimes I'm the only one who gives me the right answers. <laughs> King David spoke to his soul. So, sometimes we find, so here we're still in, discover the problem. Why am I in pain? Here's another way to discover, and I understand that this, this could be a whole message right here. Another way to discover the pain is certain people who come into your life who cause you pain. Like, sometimes an overreaction to something or someone is a sign that there's pain in my soul. Sometimes people come into my life, a certain subject or a certain person or a certain kind of people trigger me. Are you with me? Sometimes... Somebody who has a strong personality triggers me. Or somebody who's an authority triggers me. Like, I get, I, I, I can't have authority in my life. I'm like, okay, you know, you're sitting down with your, your counselor and you, and you say, what's wrong? said, when so-and-so comes into my life, I just feel, I feel scared, I feel nervous, I feel, and I'm describing my feelings. And they go, well, does anyone else scare you? Oh, yeah, so-and-so else. And, and pretty soon they, they, they start to develop, they start to map out this picture Oh, anybody who has a thorn in your life causes you pain. What was your relationship like with your parents? Oh, okay. Here we go. 
authority misused in your life, you're superimposing it over other people. Are you following me? In other words, I'm following the path of pain, and maybe I have to follow it all the way back to a certain place in a certain circumstance in my life, but how many of you understand it's painful? <clears throat> I wish I could find another word. It's sometimes hard to, to follow the pain, but if I don't want to live in pain the rest of my life, I have to actually get someone to sit me down and pull that sliver out of my finger. This is a much better word than your response. <laughs> I understand why. When, somebody, when you're sitting there with a sliver in your finger and you're like, he's telling me that I need to let someone dig this out of my finger, that doesn't sound like fun. No, but the fruit of living without pain is so awesome. And you may have been living with that thing for so long that you have lost hope that you can actually be pain free. And so you just, you know what, oftentimes we reduce our life to, to actually embrace our pain. I've shared this example many times because it's my own example. I used to be afraid to fly. You know, if you're afraid to fly and you don't go on planes, and someone says, you know what, you have fear in your life. You go, no, I don't have fear. No, you don't have fear because you reduce your life to accommodate the spirit of fear. So, hey, I'm not afraid of authority. Pain, authority doesn't have, I don't have any fear of authority. That's because you don't let anyone have authority in your life. As a matter of fact, you see, we typically, we typically spiritualize our dysfunction. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd. And let me give you five reasons why no human being can ever have authority over me. Actually, when I get past your theological wall, underneath that wall is actually a ton of pain that you don't trust people. Uh, and we're going to do this quicker. Proverbs eighteen fourteen: The spirit of man can endure his sickness, but a broken spirit who can bear? And let me say, the word broken means to smite or scourge. And this is where sozo comes in. Uh, sometimes we have a problem, and here it says, uh, uh, it's talking about any, uh, sickness, and it says, you can endure sickness, but who can, who can endure a broken spirit? Sometimes your sickness is actually caused by a broken spirit. This is where inner healing comes in, where sozo comes in. And it says the word broken spirit, the word broken means to be scourged or it means to be beaten. And some of you are being beaten by a demonic spirit. You're being punished by a demonic spirit, maybe because you believe the lie. How many of you know that a demon in a Christian's life is never the problem? It's always a symptom. It's, it's there by invitation. You're like, I would never invite a demon in my life. No, but you may have invited it unknowingly by some of your actions or some of your agreements that you made with the wrong world. For instance, you want to know how to invite the spirit of suicide in your life? Just, just start thinking, you know, if this pain ever gets too bad, I could just die. Oh, how many of you know who likes to steal, kill, and destroy? Instead of saying, if this pain ever gets too great, I can hide in God, I go, I can hide in, I can hide in death. And the devil goes, oh, you want some death going on in your life? And pretty soon, you're being plagued by this idea that you should kill yourself. And you're like, it's really weird because I'm not suicidal. No, but you invited a spirit of suicide in by making a covenant with it. Number three, develop a culture of wholeness around you. Develop a culture of wholeness around you. Now this is really huge. 
The, the next one is going to be developing a plan to get well. But listen to this. Developing a plan for wholeness around you, this is like sterilizing the hospital. Okay? So I'm saying develop an atmosphere that you can get well in. Some of you are not going to like a few of these. <clears throat> Proverbs 25, 20. Like one who takes off a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar on soda, is he who sings songs to a troubled heart. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you're really sad, it just feels really good to put on a really sad song because misery loves company. And Proverbs says, the worst thing you can do is put on a song that validates your pain. <laughs> Here we go. Proverbs 25, 19. Like a bad tooth or an unsteady foot is confidence in a faithless man in a time of trouble. Listen. Don't hang out with people who don't have faith for your situation when you're in trouble. And again, this is the principle, misery loves company. Listen, these are all the way, if I, I won't have you raise your hand, I bet you half people in this room are in pain in some level of their life, some area of their life. And I bet you that, that, that most of those people have been in pain for a long time. You know why? Because we create cultures where it gets, to, it gets to stay and it becomes, how many of you know, pain is common, but it's not normal. There's a difference between common and normal. So sometimes when I'm in pain, instead of figuring out why I'm in pain and getting out of it, I find other people who are in pain so I don't have to feel bad about the fact that I'm in pain. I find people to sing songs to me. I find other friends who are like, oh yeah, you're miserable, me too. You're broke, I'm broke too. Oh, those people that have money, they probably all stole it. And we start to build cases. <laughs> it's the absolute truth. I'm telling you, people that are in poverty, they, it, let's, say, let's say financial poverty, they hate people that have money. I, I'm around them all the time. They, you, you get into streets and people in poverty, it's like, oh, those people, you know, they all, those, everybody, everybody who has money, they all stole from people to get it. And let's face it, there's a little bit of truth to everything. So there's always a few people that will validate my position. Well, how about hard work? Could that have happened? Oh, well, I doubt it. <laughs> Lamentations 3, uh, verse 51. Chapter 3, verse 51. My eyes bring pain to my soul because of all the daughters of my city. Be careful what you watch when you're in pain. My eyes bring pain to my soul, Lamentation said. How many of you know that sometimes it's watching a really sad movie? <laughs> okay, we're going to move faster. Proverbs 17:22. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Listen, if you're in pain, you're in soul pain, watch funny movies. Hang out with funny people. Come to church when I'm preaching. It will help you. I'm like a pharmacist, man. I'm handing out medication. I don't even know if they're illegal. It's better than medical marijuana when you leave here. And by the way, medical marijuana is bad, so it doesn't take any... 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that you're... I probably shouldn't have said that. I won't say it next... next. 
session, we, we stream, we won't say that. Self-control. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have from God, and it's not your own? The, the last part of this, this quick message is this. You need to take care of your body. Ask Benny. What Chris is to laughter, Benny is to the body. <laughs> you need sleep, sunlight, and nutrition. Listen, sugar's nutritionish. <laughs> Nutritionist. Oh, Lord, we're not going to finish this at all. We're not even going to get close. I got four minutes. No, I can't. I have uh, eight pages to go. <laughs> Those people should just wait out there for us. Okay, I'm just going to skip five pages ahead. Number four. Develop a plan to get well. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. How many of you understand that if you're afraid to mourn, you aren't going to be comforted? Yeah. Mourning is the process. Mourning is one of the processes of being comforted. Listen, I understand that people can get stuck, okay? If mourning turns into like, hey, this is my five-year season, I'm like, I'm sorry, you're stuck, okay? Mourning should not be something that you do your whole life. This is not a career opportunity. But listen, when somebody has a crisis, the worst thing you can do is the next day try to get them out of mourning. The process is they need to mourn so they can be comforted. There are more people that their parents died when they were, you know, 16, 17, 18, and they were not allowed to mourn for whatever reason. There's a hundred reasons why they weren't allowed to mourn. And you know what happens when you stuff your pain? It gets moldy. And it grows worse. I'm just being honest with you. And, and it's like, you know, all those people needed, they need a season to be allowed to mourn so that they could be comforted. Because that is the cycle of getting well. And as Jason wrote in our book, The Supernatural uh, Power of Forgiveness, he talked about children. And you know, children, they, they'll, they'll have a fight. And they're, men, they're screaming. You think the whole world's going to die, right? You run in there. It's like, what happened? Oh, they hit me. And you know, and, and you, <laughs> for grandparents, we're like, hey, you know. And Jason's all, you know, don't, dad, I wouldn't do all that. You know, this is, this is going to be over in three minutes. And you know, five minutes later, they're playing with each other. But what did they do? They wept. They cried. They know the process of healing. They cried, they were broken, they were hurt, they were betrayed. Their, 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 their brother, their sister, their friend broke their heart. They cried through it. It took 10 minutes, and 15 minutes later, they're playing with each other. And you went in and built this big old case, and you realize they mourned, they got comforted, they're fine. We don't get to mourn, so we never get to comfort. We stuff things down. We don't do pain in our culture. So when someone's in pain, we think it's our job to cheer them up instead of mourn with those who mourn, weep with those who weep. And I understand, again, I want to just be really careful. If you're mourning for, you know, it depends on what you got going on. But mourning is not a career opportunity. Mourning is not something we do for years. But it certainly could last months. 
Certainly if I lost a loved one, certainly if I lost somebody close to me, certainly the, the process could be a year. Certainly it could. But it shouldn't be the rest of my life. Are you with me? So there are times when, when we have to um, do my next point. Get a grip. I have five seconds for you to get a grip. This is Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Let me just read it to you. We, we will end with this. Be strong and courageous. Now, let me, I, can I, I'm going to give you the setting. We are going to go a few minutes late. I'm going to give you the setting. Moses is dead. Okay, Moses. Now, I understand that you and I look at Moses, a really famous guy, but he's Joshua's spiritual father. He's Joshua's best friend. And he's the most anointed leader that Joshua's ever known. Probably most of us would have ever known. He talks mouth to mouth, face to face with God. He's, his goal was to take the people out of Egypt and into the promised land. Okay, that was the mission impossible. Take the people out of Egypt, through the wilderness, and into the promised land. Okay, this guy who walked with God face to face could not accomplish that mission. Are you with me? He dies in the wilderness, unable to fulfill the mission he got when he spoke to the bush the very first time. Are you following me? And God has to come to Joshua because Moses is missing. And somebody once said that Moses got kissed to death by God. I'm thankful that Moses was on the Mount Transfiguration, aren't you? And Moses is dead. And God comes to Joshua and says, Moses, my servant is dead. And he begins to recount to Joshua, which we're not going to read all of it, that now the same mantle that was on Moses was on Joshua. Which, by the way, I don't know if that's super comforting because Moses couldn't complete the mission. And God says, and the way that I was with Moses, I will be with you. And how many understand, it was God who killed Moses. So that's not very comforting. I don't know how he killed him, like he probably just kissed him to death or whatever. But, but listen to the instructions of a guy who's just about to take over the Israeli nation, who's stuck in the wilderness, has seen giants, and hasn't been able to get in. Listen to this. Be strong and courageous. Now, how many of you, when you feel weak, feel like you can be strong and courageous just because someone said so? Here's my point. If God said, be strong and courageous, and, and let me just read the rest here. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the right or the left, that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you be careful to do according to all that's written. And then you shall make your way prosperous, and you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Listen to this. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I just want to finish with these thoughts. Do not let your emotions tell you what to do. Tell your emotions what to do. Okay, let me say it a different way. Don't let your thoughts control you. You control your thoughts. Well, it doesn't feel like I can. You can. God said to Joshua, Joshua, don't be afraid. Oh, that helps. Don't be discouraged. Oh, thank you. God, could God command you to do something you had no control over? Um, would God tell you to do something you couldn't do? No. 
And so when God says to Moses, I'm sorry, to Joshua, don't be discouraged and don't be dismayed, it means I have charge of that. Now here's the problem. I've been there. I'm with you. I get it. It doesn't feel like I have any control over these feelings. I get that. It doesn't feel like I can do anything about this. And then God comes along and says, Chris, I want you to stop being discouraged. Uh, <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. That was very helpful. Now, how many of you understand that I'm sharing this with you after I shared that there's time for grief, there's time for mourning, and all of that. And so I've shared it intentionally after that. There is time for grieving, there's time for mourning, but there's also time to get a grip. Listen, listen, I want to finish with this. There are times to tie off and hang on. There are times to take, I understand that the church's last words are like, get over it. I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying, listen, figure out what's wrong, do all these steps, and we missed about half of them. <laughs> but, but the point is, there's a whole bunch of steps in between this, but at some point, listen, are you with me? I wish you would have heard the other stuff. But at some point, you have to say, I gotta get a grip. I, got, I gotta get a hold of myself. I can't, I can't free fall and let my emotions tell me how we're doing. How are we doing? My soul, my soul often goes, not good. My spirit goes, we're soaring. Oftentimes, I let my mind tell me what to think instead of letting my spirit tell my mind what we're going to think about. And so I see something on TV, and I'm like, I spend the next you know, three days worrying about it. And, and the Lord says, what are you doing? I'm like, huh, worried about you know, what's happening in Syria. Did I tell you to worry about that? No. Okay, well, then stop worrying about it. Stop worrying about it. Someone wrote me and said, what do you think about Syria? I don't know. God hasn't spoke to me about it. And so what I do is pray in, in the spirit. I pray in tongues until he gives me understanding. What if he doesn't? Then I pray in tongues. I know that I'm praying right on target when I'm praying in tongues. And so I just want to finish with this. Would you stand up, please? How many of you are on some level of pain? <laughs> no, you don't want to raise your hand. You're in some level of pain. Raise your hand high. Yeah, half the room. Half the room. I, I want us all to put our hands on our heart right now. Put our hands on our heart. Lord, I just, right now, I release a plan. Come on, let's just do this together. I release a plan. Yeah, I release a plan for my life. Say this. A Holy Spirit plan to walk out of pain and walk into joy. A permanent plan. A sustainable culture of divine joy in the name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I give you permission this week to discover the places of pain that are in my life and give me a plan that actually works to take me into the promised land of joy and peace in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.